Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. Well, welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. Great to have you with me, particularly since this is the last podcast of the year 2020. And what a year it has been. You're probably going to hear those exact words over and over and over again (laughs) in these next days as we ponder the end of that year and the start of the new. Let me tell you right up front that a lot of what we dealt with in 2020, we're going to be dealing with in 2021. Maybe not as severe, but the click of the clock on New Year's Eve does not change historical circumstances. And so we're going to be facing some some challenges. But I'll tell you what, in this podcast, what I want to do is talk about the good news. I want to talk about the things that we have to be grateful for. Here we are at the end of the year. We're starting another year that has a great deal of promise in it, but also will have some challenges. It's a good time as we come to the end of 2020 just to think about some things that we are grateful for. First of all, I want to say we're grateful that as horrible as the COVID-19 season has been, that a vaccine has been developed. And by the way, this is not just pie in the sky. This is not just wishful thinking on the part of the medical community. Um, Experts, even experts that disagree, say this thing is real. This thing is valid. This thing's going to work. It's in the 90th percentile. Uh, I plan to get it. I recommend that you get it unless you have some health reason not to. Uh, Of course, check with your doctor. But Uh, this is going to change the situation. Probably by mid-year, by mid-2021, we will be not fully returned to normal. There's been a huge amount of devastation. We've taken quite a bashing of late. It's going to take a while to recover from that. But in terms of the actual virus, in terms of the actual disease, uh, we will have the means in hand for defeating it. Folks will still probably wear masks. We'll still have to watch for the rise of other things like it. We will not be fully out of the woods. I'm not sure in one sense we will ever be fully out of the woods. We've seen what this kind of biological warfare can create. But the good news is we have a vaccine. It's shipping as I record this. Uh, By the time you listen to it, it will definitely have begun to spread millions and millions and millions of uh, of inoculations are uh, going where they need to go. And it won't be long before you can walk into a CVS and get inoculated. It's going to be great. Uh, It's not going to create paradise, but it's going to allow us to defeat this thing once and for all and get on with rebuilding our society and rebuilding our institutions. That's something for which we should be grateful. Uh, The second thing we should be grateful for here in America is that our system basically works. Now, I know there's some folks listening to this who believe that the election was stolen and Trump really won and what have you. And therefore, when I say the system basically works, they're rolling their eyes and thinking that I'm a, a useful idiot or a dupe. The reality is that our electoral system does work. It needs to be much better. We had some near disasters. We had state level elections that were just ridiculous. The Ohio election, uh, it turns out, remember the, the Ohio primary with the DNC, with the, with the Democratic Party, turns out it was almost entirely the DNC's fault. They insisted on some technological changes right at the end. And that state's primary, that state's Democratic primary was a joke a national embarrassment. But we now know why. 
We can get on top of it. We need to have better electoral processes in the future. We need to have ironclad systems so that the allegations that have been made this time can't be made again. But the fact of the matter is that our electoral system worked. None of the recounts have proven great fraud. Courts have not accepted the evidence because they look at it and they say, this doesn't prove anything. You don't have standing. You don't have the facts. There's no evidence. This has been said over and over again. Now, almost 40 different court cases have ruled against Donald Trump and his claim that the election was stolen. Almost 40. Think about that. The Supreme Court wouldn't hear the case, not just because, as was reported, that the state of Texas didn't have standing, but there were no facts. There is no evidence. You have rumors. You have one or two witnesses saying they definitely were told by uh, somebody at their, at their polling station to haul off ballots. Okay, that may have happened. It doesn't invalidate an entire election. I've said before, not to be cynical, but almost every national election, I believe, has some corruption in it almost every time. And that doesn't mean that the elections themselves are somehow tainted or the outcomes would be reversed had that corruption not happened. Certainly not encouraging corruption. I'm simply saying that we are uh, living in a fallen world. I think in every election, there's a little bit of corruption. Like I've said before, you don't know uh, what the polling captain in in Bucksnort, Tennessee did. Maybe something went amok. Would it have changed the outcome of the election? No. The fact is that Joe Biden has defeated Donald Trump by a fairly large margin in the Electoral College and by a respectable margin. We certainly have had elections decided by less in the popular vote. Joe Biden won. He's not my candidate. He's not the guy I voted for. He's not the guy I selected, but he won. That's the fact. And very little is going to change that. We'll continue to have lawsuits. I think a lot of this uh, stir, uh, a lot of this claim that the election was stolen, especially on the part of Donald Trump, is about raising war chests for activity outside of office and then running again in 2024. I've already done a podcast on that. But the bottom line is it worked. No corruption's been proven. Uh, No massive inaccuracies have been proven. No algorithms that altered voting machines has been proven. No foreign interference other than in the attempt to convince hearts and minds. I'm talking about the actual mechanism of voting has been proven. Our elections are fairly sound. They can be much better, but they have been fairly sound. We should be grateful for that. I believe that when Joe Biden takes office on January 20th, I won't be celebrating in the sense that I'm thrilled that he's going to bring a new messianic era to American history. No, I think he's going to be a poor president, and I'm opposed to a great many of his policies. And I will be vocal about that, and I will work for his removal from office in time. However, our American system worked. I'm a patriot. It was a fair election. This man won because the majority of Americans wanted him to win. That's how it works. I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful also that greater damage was not done to our institutions. I know there's great suffering because of COVID. Uh, I know that schools are are in trouble, that students have fallen behind. I understand that uh, institutions are challenged, that even restaurants and stores that I, I care about, grew up in, love, um, are closing. 
uh, historic restaurants, historic institutions in New York are closing the 21 club, other things of that nature. Um, yes, there is destruction. There is suffering. There is hardship. And probably a lot of people are going to have to repeat uh, their education process from this year. I'm not trying to put a shiny you know, light or put a, a silver lining on all of this. It's been hard. It's been difficult. It's been agonizing. And there will be suffering. There's still good that came of it. We have learned a lot about more about doing things online and doing it well. I think churches and schools have got to know how to go completely online and do really well. We're going to have to improve those technologies. We're going to have to improve those teaching systems. We're going to have to improve those curricula, and we're doing it. People are seeing the need for it. I've recommended to every church that I've consulted with in the future, when you're back to quote-unquote normal, have a Sunday that call it underground church Sunday or online church Sunday or whatever you want, but have a Sunday in which the whole service is done online. People give online. Just keep it as a regular practice and discipline of the church. Then come persecution, come natural disaster, come political upheaval, come pandemic. You are ready to go online. Those systems are there. I had churches calling me saying, we've never done anything online. What do we do? This is in an age when you can hold an iPhone in the air during a service and broadcast the service to the entire world. We need to be ready in the church, in the school, in government, And I think this is going to give us an opportunity. Uh, So I'm grateful. I'm grateful for that spur to learning. Uh, There's another thing I'm grateful for, and it's going to sound awfully cold-hearted. And that is you may have heard uh, economists talk about uh, a a force called creative destruction. Uh, It's usually used to to justify a hostile takeover uh, or the destruction of a company uh, and the selling off of a company, parceling out its parts after there's been a hostile takeover. But there is a force called creative destruction. It is good. It is a good economic force. And it happens on the streets in America all the time. Uh, In your town, in your city, um, somebody buys a building. They tear it down. They build something better. People scream when they tear it down because it's the one their grandma got engaged in. Or it's been around for 150 years. We've had this in Nashville a great deal. Trust me. And it goes on in in D.C. all the time. Um, In Nashville, we have a lot of beloved buildings, a lot of the studios and so on, you know, were basically built in, in old homes and old mansions and so on. And when anybody sells one of those things, people go crazy, but nobody was doing anything. The thing sat there empty for decades. It just has emotional value. Somebody buys it, somebody tears it down, uh, somebody builds something new, everybody's thrilled. So what I'm saying is progress, development, growth, increase, they require some creative destruction. When you lift weights and you, you really work hard and you're doing that bench press and you're really pressing, you are tearing down muscle fiber. You are destroying, so to speak, muscle fiber. The strength, the new strength that you have in a month is because those fibers build back. So there's a form of creative destruction, even in your workout. That's actually what you're doing is tearing things down so it can be built back up. And that's what things require. So I am sad and grieved by the suffering that people have endured during COVID. However, I'm also aware as a student of economics, as a student of social development, as a student of the economies of localities and cities and what happens uh, in, in terms of the various forms of development there, that a certain form of destruction 
creates the way for better. It's hard to talk about it because so many people suffer, but the experts are saying that the California wildfires that happen are going to create opportunity for magnificent new growth. Now, I don't know anything about that firsthand, but that's what they say. They say it quietly, by the way, because people are suffering and they don't want to be seen to be celebrating. But every time there's some kind of destruction, every time there's some kind of teardown, when it's done in an orderly way or done done by economic forces, it provides opportunity for increase. So we've lost some things. We've lost some stories. We've lost some chains. We've lost some industries. We've lost jobs. There's been destruction. There's been loss. But there's going to be opportunity growing out of this for great things to happen. And then finally, I want to say this. This is something I'm very grateful for. You know, every generation has its hard thing to deal with. Bev and I were just sitting around uh, talking the other day about what uh, a generation born in the early 1900s, let's, let's say you were born in 1900, what that generation endured. Uh, they would have endured during their teen years, World War I. They would have endured during their college years, the Spanish flu pandemic. They would have endured a little bit later, within a decade, uh, the Great Depression. They would have endured World War II. They would have emerged immediately from World War II and been thrust into the Korean War. Um, that was in the 50s. So they would have been 50 years old and look at what their life would have been. And what were they just about to face? They were just about to go through the 60s, which was very hard. They would have been in their 60s, by the way, and would have been very hard for them to see those social upheavals. Uh, They would have been a distrusted generation. They would have been criticized by the young. Imagine what they endured. Now, every generation goes through those hard things. You know what it does? It makes them better. So I'm not going to try to give an inspirational talk here, but I will say that the fact that our generation, which has been relatively coddled, had it relatively easy. I mean, really, think about the boomers. Um, Think about the baby boomers born approximately in 1945. Um, Think about the millennials coming of age approximately around the year 2000. Not huge, massive Uh, life-altering suffering, not great wars, not, I mean, we had our 9-11, but then what came of it? Uh, A brief war overseas. Yes, we lost lives, but it wasn't happening on Main Street. It wasn't happening on your house. It wasn't happening uh, in, in your city. So my point is that for the most part, the generations alive right now have had it pretty easy have had it pretty light. Uh, Even someone who's lower economic levels in America is living like a king compared to the rest of the world and compared to most of history. So the suffering we've endured, the hardship, um, the loss, the suffering, the grief, um, maybe even the economic upheaval, the challenges, the battles, they make us better. They really do make us better. Uh, We see this in history. We see it in the pages of scripture. We see this principle lived out constantly. We know it in our own bodies. We know it in our own growth. We know it as we suffer to get degrees or achieve or accomplish great things in our businesses. Hard things make us better long term. And that's what this is going to do. So there's a lot of reason to believe that the future is bright. That doesn't mean every industry is going to come roaring back to perfection by June 1. That doesn't mean that every company is going to return. Uh, That doesn't mean we're going to get it all done in 2021. But good days are ahead because hard things make us better. I wish you a happy new year. Take time, reflect, get ready to rise, get ready for the good things are coming that are coming, and most of all, be grateful that now we stand on the precipice of a year that has the potential to be one of our finest hours. Happy New Year to you. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times best-selling author, 
a popular speaker, and a frequent faith and culture commentator on Fox and CNN. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Search for God in Guinness, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, and Lincoln's Battle with God. Learn more at stephenmansfield.tv.